Thank you. Man, this is great, isn't it? Look around. This is fantastic. And from now on, the kids are going to receive the offering every Sunday. They're going to just come take it right out of your wallet. So it's going to be great. Man, I just, I love the crowd. You know, it's 4th of July, and we're kind of like, you know, we're going to throw people out in the lawn, bring your own chair. Is this going to work? And I'm just looking around, and if you're online, like, there's like a sea of people. It's like Christian Woodstock here. We even had, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix on the guitar to start the service. It was awesome. So, man, this is fun just to see everybody. Thanks for taking time to be here for a kid-friendly service. I promise we'll keep it short. Uh, it's just going to be a fun time. You never know what, what's going to happen in a gathering like this, you know? You just kind of kind of wing it, and it's not overly, you know, planned, and I think that's good. And it's dangerous if you have a microphone and you're a speaker, and sometimes you share too much, you know? And so I would tell you a quick story. I was out in this week, and I was listening to a podcast, and I actually had it just on my phone instead of my earbuds, and I was out in my lawn, and I noticed that part of the lawn wasn't getting watered as well as it should. Anybody have that problem? And I was looking around. There were some spots that weren't getting watered, and I figured, you know what? That, that part of the lawn is not getting watered down to its roots. And so while I'm listening to this podcast for like an hour, I'm just going to take this shovel and I'm just going to go around and just kind of, you know, poke some holes in the grass in in our big backyard and I'm going to water the lawn for like an hour. And so I'm poking these holes in the ground and I'm like, I don't know if this is helping, you know, doing anything. This is kind of, I'm thinking this might be a little bit ghetto. And then that was confirmed because the master bedroom opened up and my wife uh, came out the window. She said, are you aerating the lawn with a shovel? Just, just like that, just like that. And I looked up, I was like, maybe. <laughs> and she said, you know, that's, that's kind of a white trash way to do that in your own yard. You could hire that dunce better, right? And so my clothes will be all over the living room for the rest of this week in the house, okay, for that. Guys, if your wife does not fully appreciate how incredible you are, I understand, okay? It's part of the thing. Man, um, I want to share with you some good news. Talk about the offering. This is kind of cool. Last week, we shared that there was three uh, widows in India that we adopted them. Their husbands all died um, during the pandemic in COVID in India. All three of them were pastors. They all died, and these pastors' wives and their kids were were left without anything. And our church uh, got a phone call. We decided to act. Last week, I could tell you that we had three families we sponsored. You know, now there's four families. Another, Another more generosity came in. So there's four widows and all their kids halfway around the world that are sponsored. It's just so cool to be part of a generous church like this. So if you gave to that, thank you. Also, if you're part of the um, double payment offering uh, that we're trying to do, we're $2,200 short of putting a double payment on the church's mortgage, which is just going to free up more money for ministry. So that's exciting, too. Hopefully next week I can share that with you, all right? If you have a Bible today, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. And while you're turning there, I just want to take a moment um, how many have actually read the Declaration of Independence? Anybody read that? Anybody read it not in elementary school? Okay. So you would recognize this statement. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their government, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I've, I've always loved that the Declaration of Independence this says this about the creator twice, and then it says this, we appeal to the supreme judge of the world. I love that we are appealing to the supreme judge, thank you so much, of the entire world. Um, that God is in our documents in the United States. America, 
I always have. Um, and here's the reality. Even if biblical uh, Christianity uh, becomes more and more the minority, it's not going to change my faith at all. I think that there just needs to be a place where we go, we, don't, we can't control everybody else, but I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to keep living out the Scripture in my life and in my family. Amen? And maybe, you know, instead of just ranting about some of the, you know, very our nation, we can decide, well, at least for me, I'm going to continue to serve God. So let me give you five trivia questions today as we open up the message today. We'll find out how patriotic, how American you really are, all right? There's a bus for Canada right there if you get zero out of five. Okay, here we go. All right, number one, what city was the first capital of the United States? Was it Philadelphia, New York, Providence, or Olympia? How, how many would say it was Philadelphia? How many would say New York? It was New York City. Wow. All right. Half going to Canada. The other half's going to Mexico. Here we go. Number two. What country gifted the United States with the Statue of Liberty? Yell it out if you know it. France. All the kids knew that one too. And then little French people came out of the statue and took over our nation. Did you know? No, that didn't happen. All right. Number three. There have been two father-son presidents in our nation. Who are they? Okay. There's George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush. And the other one was? John Adams and John Quincy Adams, who were presidents number two and and five. All right, good. How about this one? Uh, what was the last state to be admitted into the Union? What was the last state to be admitted? Was it Hawaii, Alaska, Texas, or Puerto Rico? How many think it was Hawaii? How many people say Alaska? Correct answer is Hawaii was the, was that? All right, number five. Here we go. This, some of you that don't know anything about history, you might get this if you're a movie person, all right? What year did the Titanic sink? Was it 1909, 1912, we are thanking God for our freedoms, that we get to gather like this. And, and I hope that every one of us has a thankful heart of what we have in the United States of America. Because many of us, if we went to other countries, we'd be amazed at what we take for granted. So let's make sure that on days like today, we appreciate the freedoms we have, that we acknowledge uh, the military uh, families around us, um, and we appreciate them. And then third, that we pray for our country. So... Um, I don't know if you know this, but the First Amendment is the amendment that we talk about religious freedom. And some of you will know what it says this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Or abridging freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Today, as we uh, pray for the message, could we also pray for freedom can we pray for religious freedom in our country? Let's pray against injustice in our, in our country. Uh, let's pray that our country be unified uh, and not divided. And let's pray that um, we keep this mantra that those who work hard and support their family, those are the ones who can get ahead and move forward in life. So would you pray with me? 
God, as we pray for the message today, Lord, we are so thankful for the freedoms we have. And Lord, we know in much of the world, religious freedom is, seems to be waning and maybe even in our country as well. And so we pray, God, that your church would be able to gather and to believe and to teach the Bible. God, we pray against any injustice in our country. God, we pray that those who work hard would get ahead and God, we would be a country, God, that doesn't just try to flatten the playing field, but understands that there's motivation and there's something to get up and do and live. God, help, uh, help us to be unified. God, I pray against division in the United States of America. And we pray, Lord, that the Lion of Judah would be the Lion of America. God, that you would be uncaged in our country and that, God, that you would, uh, God, do things that would surprise us all. And we get to say we were alive during that generation when God moved mightily across the United States. And, Lord, use us to do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you bring me that other set of notes? I brought the wrong one up here. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. She's... You know, I'm training her is what the thing is, so. I told you, don't give somebody a mic on a service like this. They're going to get in lots of trouble, so. The great thing about Stacy and I is we love to banter back and forth, so that's going to be, it's going to be a fun day today at our house. Wow. Well, you have in your Bible, uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 12 is where we're going to begin. This is what it says. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of the power of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Let's talk for a moment about being a leper. Lepers of all the sick were the most to be avoided. They stood at a distance. And what must that have been like? Like literally, it was like the worst thing you could have in society. You want to talk about a pandemic that you are shunned and you are kept away. And, and if anybody woke up today and thought, you know, I could have leprosy, I'm grateful for what I have today. How many have an affliction in your body? Come on, isn't there a lot of us? But thank God we don't have leprosy. Leprosy is a chronic bacterial infection. It's treated today with multi-drugs. In those days, they didn't understand it. A simple rash would start on the skin. And by the way, if you had a simple rash, it could be leprosy, and they would kick you out quick. So you find your long sleeve shirt, right? Because you don't want to be torn away from your family, your community. They separated the lepers from the other people. Separated from the rest of society, their family, their friends, their church. They weren't allowed to eat with anyone or live with anyone or even talk with anyone except other lepers. And by the way, those people probably became pretty close friends, didn't they? Someone you could still talk with. 
You couldn't associate with others. The people you needed the most weren't there. And you were unclean and you were an outcast in that society. In the, in the time of our text, there was one treatment for, for leprosy, and it was this, isolation. Here's the treatment. The treatment is go isolate yourself. Just be isolated. Here's what the Bible has to say about lepers, uh, how they were to act. Leviticus 13.45, the leper must wear torn clothes. So half the teenagers here, you're, you're good to go. You got that one done, all right? Second one is this, let his hair be unkept. Some of us got that one figured out here out the wind today too. And then finally, um, cover the lower part of your face and cry. <laughs> Let's just don't go there, all right? <laughs> and then cry out, unclean, unclean. You didn't just like, you know, feel like an outcast. You were an outcast. It was horrible for them. And the great thing about this is Jesus gave his life for outcasts. Amen. Jesus doesn't leave you alone and isolated. I am so grateful for that. The scripture had said, as long as the infection remains, he is unclean. He must live alone. So he must live outside the camp. So a leper uh, was a walking dead man. He's really living a, a, a death sentence in his life. Banished from God's presence, uh, at least from the church. Banished from his friends. Banished from the worship setting. Uh, worn out clothes. Yelling unclean. Man, it was not a fun life. To make matters worse uh, during that time, people believed that uh, during Jesus' time, people actually believed this was a punishment for their sin. How would you like to get, you know, stuck with a horrible disease, and that's unfair enough, and then everybody judge you for it? Boy, you must just have some major sin in your life. This would happen to you. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine your kids saying, how could dad leave us? What horrible thing did, did, did my husband do to bring leprosy upon himself? And people tended to be very unsympathetic. I want to challenge you to be the church and be sympathetic towards others in their hurts and their pains. Some of you are very naturally merciful and sympathetic. How about we all decide, even if it doesn't come naturally to me, I'm going to be sympathetic and merciful to others. In fact, you all have somebody in your life right now that needs your mercy, needs your sympathy. Let's be like Jesus and be merciful to those people. Um, some of us have felt very isolated in our lives. And in that society, the pain of being shunned was, was, was horrible. In fact, it was probably worse than the pain and the infection in your skin. Throughout history, um, and to this day, one of the worst punishments in our world is isolation. Solitary confinement. Stick them by themselves. Leave them there for months. Little impact on anyone else's life. You're just counting the days. You're inhaling and exhaling as your life impacts no one. And your existence at that point feels meaningless. Listen, God doesn't want you and I isolated. We've, we've learned that this last 16 months, but it's true in our lives. God doesn't want you isolated. God wants you to love one another. God wants you to serve one another. God wants you to reach somebody else in their life. God wants you to have mercy and compassion on other people. Amen? And some of us, we are prone to isolate. We, we just call it in, introverts, right? We are prone to isolate. We recharge by being alone, and that's okay. But let's don't isolate to the point that it's unhealthy in our lives. You've, in this society, these guys, they lost their homes. They lost their job. They lost their family. They lost their health. Their skin is decomposing. Their face is deforming before their eyes. It's as bad as it gets. It's like that movie. That's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our toes and fingers are falling off. I mean, it was not fun for them. It was miserable. 
to be a leper in that society. Confined. You couldn't go anywhere. Speaking of American history and, and being confined, I read something fascinating. I think it'll um, probably uh, surprise you. Um, in the 1800s, this book says, as American settlers spread out into a vast heartland, they tried to take their fences with them. You know, they're all kind of on the East Coast, and they begin to spread out, and everybody's getting, you know, hundreds of acres, and they, they, they try to take their fences with them wherever they go. At the time, it was the responsibility of the landowners to keep roving animals out of their fields rather than being incumbent upon the owner of the animals to keep them controlled. In 1873, a farmer named Henry Rose was desperate to control a breachy cow. He liked to breach boundaries. His original idea was to attach a board covered with metallic points directed uh, at his head of the cow. When the cow ran into a fence, the points would prick the cow and cause the cow to retreat. It came as a surprise to Rose, though probably not anybody else, that requiring his cow to wear a plank all the time proved impractical. He then decided to attach the boards to his uh, fence rather than to the cow. The solution seemed promising. And Rose proudly showed off his invention at a, at a county fair where it caught the attention of another, a number of other inventors, including Joseph Glidden. All that was left was to convince the doubtful public that a few strands of thin wire could hold back determined cattle. The innumerable herds of Texas would be, would be the proving ground. As a barbed wire salesman threw up enclosures and invited ranchers to bring their most ornery cattle. And to the amazement of these Americans, it worked. Barbed wire proved equal to the task again and again. It kept their animals confined. Sales skyrocketed. Within about 25 years of the introduction of barbed wire, nearly all of what had been previously been free-range land was fenced and under private ownership. The open land of the West, at one time was considered an exhaustible resource for all to use, was now divided up and made off-limits to the general public. The new invention channeled people into fixed paths of transit centered around railroads and towns. Barbed wire. These patterns evolved into the interstate highways and cities that we know today. It's no exaggeration to say that barbed wire is responsible for the shape of the modern West as we see it today. And it can all be traced back to Henry Rose's breachy cow. Is that incredible? Barbed wire changed the world. Boundaries, isolation in our lives. It's against this backdrop that Jesus brings compassion of those who feel isolated and those who have become outcasts. Listen, God shows you mercy, and he wants you to show mercy to others. When this man comes to him with leprosy, God shows mercy, and he shows mercy to you and me, and he wants us to show it to others. Jesus said it like this, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Who wants to be shown mercy in this life? Better be merciful to others, for you will be shown mercy. Jesus is saying if you want to receive mercy, you have to give mercy. You have to show mercy to other people. So what, what actually is mercy? Mercy is love in action. It's not kind thoughts. It's action. It's your actions towards others. Uh, the difference between pity and compassion is interesting. Pity says this. Did you hear about that woman down the street, that single mom who's been in the hospital for three weeks? Poor girl, she never gets a break. That's pity, right? Easy to have pity. 
Compassion says this, did you hear about that single mom who's been in the hospital for the last three weeks? She never gets a break. Poor woman, we need to go and find some way that we can help her out. What does she need right now? Maybe she, we can help take care of her kids. Does her family need food? Uh, what can we do to relieve her burden? What can we do to lift her up out of her pain? That's compassion. And I think it's easy for us to have pity on someone, but it takes some actual effort on our part to show compassion on someone. Let's be like Jesus. Let's show compassion on those who are hurting, those who need help in their lives. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So who, who have you shown compassion to recently? Who have you shown mercy to? What's amazing about Jesus is he gives you back your life. You can read the same story in Mark, and Mark tells us there's a huge crowd following Jesus that day. There's a huge crowd. Imagine like a crowd this size, maybe bigger, and all of a sudden somebody comes up from like the side, and they have leprosy, and everybody knows it. What happens to the crowd? If Jesus is in the middle of the crowd, what happens to the crowd? It divides, doesn't it? Everybody's like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't walk in here. You know you're unclean. You know you have to stay out there. But what if you have one shot? to meet Jesus, and he comes right through the crowd, divides the crowd, falls on his knees, and he says this. He doesn't question whether Jesus can. He says, if you are willing, I know you can, and Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can help me. If you're willing, you can change my entire life with one word, with one touch. Jesus touched him, and listen, he touched him before he spoke to him. Jesus reached out and touched him. Imagine the moment when Jesus' hand, first of all, they're not comfortable this guy's getting this close to Jesus. By the way, where's the disciples who are the bouncers, okay? They don't want to deal with leprosy, and this guy comes up, and maybe Jesus just says, go ahead, back off, and it's just this guy and Jesus. And imagine the slow motion as Jesus reaches out his hand to touch him. I mean, if this was a Hollywood movie, you'd, you'd somebody would be yelling, no, right? And Jesus reaches out and he touches him. He doesn't start talking to him. He reaches out and touches him. And then he talks to him. He touched him before he spoke to him. And I think there's something there that it's not just enough for us to preach to people. We have to reach out and touch them first. We have to do something physical. We have to show them the love of Jesus before we just start talking about the love of Jesus. I love the statement that people don't care about, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People need to know that you care. And if someone knows that you care about them, they're willing to listen to you. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Listen, many people in our world, they've heard about the love of God. They've heard that God cares, but they want to see it in action. They need to see that in action in their lives. And this is the last page of my notes down here on the ground. Everybody online, it's a little windier here than you think it is, all right? <laughs> so leprosy is a terminal disease. And if you really think about it, it didn't just kill the body. Leprosy killed the soul. It crushed you inwardly. It isolated you. You lost everything. It was terminal to the soul first. Lepers died on the inside first. And their physical death of their body came later. The condition of your physical body is nothing compared to the condition of your soul. Listen, church, your body doesn't dictate where you're going to spend eternity, but your soul does. It was interesting during the prayer. I love Courtney's prayer when he's up here praying. 
Because sometimes we can be chained up. We can lose our freedom on the inside. Sometimes we can look okay on the outside, but on the inside we are suffering. And Jesus comes and brings you compassion. Listen, this is what's so amazing about Jesus is he knows your sin. He knows your shortcomings. And he's loving you while you're addicted. He's loving you while you're selfish. And he's trying to draw you out of that. And, and you're thinking, I blew it. He's going to leave me. He, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with me. And I'm so impressed that God just is present with you in your pain and your shame and your suffering and your sin. And he waits for you to just stretch out your hand. Lord, save me. And he wants to touch you in the midst of your suffering, your sin, your shame. We serve a God who is merciful and compassionate to you and me, sinners in this world. Can we take a moment and just bow our heads for a moment? Listen, Jesus doesn't leave you isolated and alone. And so, Lord, we're going to take a moment and pray for that person who feels alone. Or maybe they're watching online right now and, they, God, they just hurt. Maybe they're sitting outside in this beautiful setting and, and they still feel alone. They need someone who understands, who cares, who listens, who prays. Or maybe they're in a new city, a new job, a new church. And Lord, we need others around us. Lord, I pray that we would come together. And God, when we gather together in groups and in meals and in church in homes and wherever we are, God, that we would always look to build each other up, lift each other up, speak life and encourage, and that no one would be isolated. And Lord, if you showed mercy like you showed mercy to that man that day, Lord, help us to show mercy to others. God, before we simply say something, we actually want to do something. Lord, we all have neighbors, we all have friends, we all have family, and life Seems like it gets short sometimes. And maybe for some of us, we've lived the first half of our life in our neighborhood at all. We haven't impacted our family. Lord, help us not just to say it. Help us to show the love, the mercy, the compassion of the Savior towards others. Lord, we need your mercy. We want to show mercy to others. And Jesus, what you did that day for that man, you gave him his life back. Lord, there are some here today, life has been so disrupted, so changed. Maybe it is a medical need. Maybe it's age-related. Maybe, God, it's divorce. But Lord, there are some of us here today, and we, we feel almost like life ended. And so, Lord, I pray today that no death, no hardship, no catastrophic event or life change could rob us of the life that you created us to have. Lord, even in this, if this nation completely abandons its faith, Lord, we will serve you. Lord, you give us life. And so God, today, for the one who is isolated, for that one who needs mercy, God, for that person who needs to get their life back, Lord, would you restore their life? Would you show them incredible mercy? And would you bring them into relationship with others? 
I'm going to ask if you just keep your head bowed for one more moment. As I share today that the Lord is with you in the midst of your sin. He loves you even while you're messing up. For some of you, you have judged yourself and pushed God away, even though he's staying right by your side. He's not leaving unless you push him away. He's going to stay beside you and walk with you and help you through the biggest struggles of your life. He's a very present Savior. If that's you, would you just say, Lord, as long as you will, as long as you will stay with me through my ups and downs, my sins and my struggles, Lord, never leave me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But Lord, renew a right spirit inside of me. Would you turn to God and invite him to stay with you your entire life, no matter what the future holds? God, thank you for the breath of heaven, for the presence of the Savior, and for the joy of the Lord that we have before us. God, forgive us of our sins and lead us to the better life that you have for our future. Thank you for others around us. Thank you for forgiveness and grace. Now, God, I pray that your church be filled with mercy for others. And even today, that we would show incredible mercy and grace to others around us. God, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm so glad you came today. There are snow cones for everybody, not just the kids over here. There's hot dogs for everybody up here. And we would just like to encourage you to stick around and laugh and talk and as long as you want and have an incredible 4th of July. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day with your family. Amen. <laughs>